Father, we thank you that we can be here together this morning. Lord, would you guide my words and open our hearts to all you would like to say to us today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, you may remember uh, that last week we were in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus as he agonized over all that was before him. Uh, And this week, the context for our question, why aren't my prayers being answered, takes us to the cross. Simon reminded us last week that God doesn't answer all our prayers in the way that we might want them to be answered. And he reminded us that we will all face seasons when our souls shrink back from the path of suffering and pain. And he reminded us that as a community, we can and we should sing the blues and lament together and allow and be open to our suffering, making us more compassionate and understanding so that we might be a blessing and a comfort to those who are suffering as we are, or as we, has, or as we have been. He reminded us that there is a home here for everyone. And it's a place of safety where you can be yourself, with all your fears, your worries, your joys and your expectations. All your doubts, insecurities, pain and sadness. And perhaps the verse that expresses the deepest anguish that we find in the whole of Scripture is verse 46, where Jesus on the cross cries out to his Father, Why have you forsaken me? Jesus is in deep, deep pain. He's taken upon himself the sins of the world, and though the physical pain that he would have been suffering was immense. Even worse was the spiritual separation from God, his Father. That's what Jesus endured so that we would never have to experience eternal separation from God, who by his nature is love, perfect love. And when Jesus cries out in the midst of such pain, there is no immediate answer. Heaven is silent. And you might well say, well, you know, Jesus knew his purpose, and of course, you know, we're never going to suffer on the cross in the way that Jesus did. But aren't there times in all our lives where illness or miscarriage or the death of someone close to us and the injustice and the evil that we witness around the world cause us to ask why? Why can't you just heal that illness, God? Why do couples have to go through the agony of miscarriage? Why was the person I loved so dearly taken from me so cruelly? Why can't you stop the war in Ukraine? Why can't you just end it now and bring those responsible to justice? And whilst I don't think we're necessarily going to find the complete answer today, I want to offer three ways or three truths that might help us to make some kind of sense of the question we're wrestling with. 
And those are that God understands the world. God remains faithful. And God helps us to stand. Firstly, God understands the world. Our problems with unanswered prayer can be relatively minor or small, or they could be matters of life and death. Sometimes the prayers we pray and don't see answers to are are pretty minor and inconsequential. C.S. Lewis says of God that you may attribute miracles to him, but not nonsense. So if I was to pray for a parking space at the supermarket and I don't find one, do I ditch my faith? No, I don't. It's not that God isn't interested in my parking habits, but if I shop at a popular supermarket at a busy time of the day, I can't expect God to fling a few cars into the sky just to save me walking an extra few feet for some milk and tea bags. We can attribute miracles to God, but not nonsense. We live in a world, though, that carries great suffering. And we long to see God break through with miracles in the lives of those who are suffering chronic illnesses or enduring great hardships. So what about that? Well, in his book, God on Mute, Pete Gregg describes a conversation with a friend who, with his wife, had been raising a daughter with profound physical disability. He was then diagnosed at the age of 32 with degenerative arthritis, which for someone who worked as an outdoor pursuits instructor was particularly tough to take. And when Pete Gregg asked how he coped with it and made sense of it all, he replied, and I'm paraphrasing some of the original more colourful language, Uh, He says, I guess that I've realized that life is fundamentally tough. God is good and faithful, but life can be really difficult, can't it? He goes on, I guess I used to think that I had some kind of divine right to happiness, but why blame God for stuff that's just the reality of life on a messed up planet? And now, you know, that's quite a a pragmatic, matter-of-fact approach. But the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be surprised with the trials that we face. And as harsh as that may seem, if we're able to just adjust our expectations and see the world in a slightly more unsentimental lens, and then our sense of unfairness around unanswered prayer might diminish. You know, sometimes we raise our hopes high and we call it faith. Not only do we raise our hopes, we raise our expectations and then we can become embittered when we don't receive what we think we deserve. The uniquely Christian message and hope is not simply that our lives are a succession of miraculous swerves away from suffering but it's the joy of a deepening relationship with Jesus who knows our sufferings, who loves us beyond measure and lives with us in those sufferings, never, ever shying away from them as he demonstrated throughout his life, his teaching and his own suffering on the cross. 
You know, we can, of course, still be utterly shattered when our prayers aren't answered. We doubt God. And maybe even as the church, we can be tempted to sell people short with some, you know, albeit well-meaning, but shallow words of comfort. What we need to understand is what it truly means to be Christian. Our problems don't disappear when we choose to follow Christ. In fact, often the opposite is true. Our problems remain and can be just as difficult, if not more difficult. Suffering is an integral part of the Christian experience. Pete Gregg writes, We cannot remove Gethsemane and Golgotha from the reality of life in Christ. And that doesn't mean that we should pray for suffering or that we should enjoy it. God hates it. He hates it when we suffer. It doesn't therefore mean that if you pray and it's not answered, that your faith isn't strong enough. I think that's utter rubbish. The world as it is now is not as it should or as it will be. It will be restored when Christ comes again. But until then, we live alongside suffering. We live among the occasional breakthroughs of the miraculous. And we live with a God who never, ever walks away from his children who need him. Secondly, God remains faithful. I really do believe that it's true that God really does know what's best for our lives, regardless or not of whether I understand what he's doing. For years um, before being ordained, I pursued a career in acting because I believe that's what God had called me to. Uh, The church that I was part of at the time, both corporately uh, and in my small group, prayed earnestly with me and for me for years that it would happen. You know, they had words of encouragement for me, even words of knowledge, and yet the glittering acting career that I was tirelessly hoping for and endlessly praying for never came about. I mean, arguably, I still get to dress up and perform in a slightly different way. (laughs) But I believe God had and has something better for me, even though there was no way that I was going to see it at the time. And now, of course, it's absolutely easier to believe that God has something better for you over, say, a parking space or a choice of career even. But of course, many situations of unanswered prayer are far more complex and far more painful. But when God says no, I believe he knows what he's doing. He hurts with us, but he remains faithful to us. His deepest desire is for us to be in an ever more fulfilling and life-giving relationship with him. And sometimes that means there is a time of wrestling with him, a time of wondering and questioning that's just as, if not more important, than the answer itself. 
It is frustrating. It is draining. It can be acutely painful. But my experience, and, and maybe yours is too, is that we pray harder and more often and more diligently and more fervently tuning our ears into the frequency of heaven in a way that we simply wouldn't do if God presented the answer to us straight away. You know, I dare you to find someone who has a great faith, a, you know, a warrior, man or woman of God, who's not ex- at some time experienced the pain and, dare I say it, the refining of unanswered prayer. You know, sometimes it's not something that's the answer to our prayers. It's someone. It's God himself. God who remains faithful to us, who makes himself known and present and involved in our darkest hours. And so God understands the world. God remains faithful. And now finally, God helps us to stand. To stand through it all. Prayer has an impact. We may not see results as quickly as we want, as often as we want, or in the way that we want. But there is supernatural power in prayer. And there's also a battle raging. The Bible encourages us to understand the idea of spiritual warfare in order for us to be able to take a stand against the enemy's attacks. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are called to persevere and persist in prayer. And sometimes we have to accept that we're going to suffer and that our lives are going to be difficult. And sometimes, though, we should absolutely get angry about our unanswered prayer. Why? Because suffering is not God's will. And God is big enough to receive our anger that we don't want it in our lives either. The tragedies we experience the atrocities that we witness in the world today, the conflict, the killing, the evil, does not and will not ever reflect the heart of our loving God. You know, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, because it hasn't quite happened yet. Jesus lives to intercede for us, we're told, in Hebrews 7.25, because there are many things that God longs and aches for, that simply haven't happened yet. God helps us to stand. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit pray and intercede for us in ways we can only begin to imagine. And so in light of that, I wonder if we could define ourselves as people of faith, not people of defeat. People who are all in, not people who give in. God's people who pursue him, not a community that caves in. The book of Ephesians encourages us 
to stand our ground and put on the full armour of God. We're to immerse ourselves in God's word to stand firm. We don't need our words. We need his word. And what we'll begin to witness is a battle being won. History itself heading on a direct trajectory to victory. Our faith celebrates despite the bitterness we can experience. Because of Jesus' struggle, Satan is defeated. Jesus has secured the outcome. But what if your faith has taken a battering recently? What if you're listening to this thinker, I'm not sure I even have much faith, let alone one that can celebrate victory over pain and suffering? Corrie ten Boom once said, Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Faith is a gift. And maybe that's a gift that you would like to receive this morning. And it's a gift you can receive again and again and again by spending time in God's presence, praising, praying, listening, reading, fasting, studying, crying out to Him. And when you do that, you'll find you're able to build trust in Him and receive His will for your life. And so persevere, keep going, surround yourself with others. They don't even need to be your friends yet. There will be people in this community, in this room, who will carry you when you're not able to stand. And that's what God created us for. That's what he wants his church to be. There's nothing more powerful than our faithfulness expressed through perseverance. I think that's the church at its best. As the writer C.S. Lewis put it, Satan's cause is never in more danger than when a human, no longer desiring but intending to do God's will, looks round upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished, asks why they've been forsaken, and still obeys. Amen.